At Wildwood Community Church, we are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. We're for the church, for the community, for the nations, and for the next generation. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. I want to just ask all of us a question, and that question is this. Do you ever misestimate the ending of something? Do you ever think something is over when it's not? Sometimes that happens in a movie where you you watch this story unfold and you think it's over, but then after the closing credits, there's that scene in the Marvel movie that you stick around for, right? Or you're reading a book and you you think that the, the action is done, but there's still several chapters left. You misestimate the ending. This happens all the time in, in sports, doesn't it? I mean, how many of you felt like Tiger Woods' golf career was dead? And then last Sunday, his career came walking out of the grave, right? Or how many of you have buried the Oklahoma City's Thunder season somewhere in Oregon? And you hope that this evening it will come walking out of the grave. But it's not just true in sports. It's also something that happens in our entertainment venues and and musicians. How many of you thought Aerosmith's career was dead in the early 80s? But then somehow, some way, it was resurrected. And Steven Tyler, my mom even knows that that he was on one of the hosts of American Idol, okay? Um, How do these things happen? Well, they happen because we misestimate the ending, And it happens many times. Now, you know where this is headed. Because at Easter, we talk not about something as trivial as a sporting career or a musician, but we talk about the most critical event in all of history, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But when we talk about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, there is a temptation for us to view the events of Easter as the end. We think of them as the end, but if we think of Easter as the end, then we have a misestimation on the ending of the story. Because Easter, friends, is not the end. Easter is the beginning. And this morning, we're going to look into God's Word, and we're going to see that. And as we do, we're going to use John chapter 20, verses 1 to 18, as our guide. And I think this is really critical for a couple of reasons for us to look at these Scriptures today. First of all, it's critical for us because I believe as we gather here together today as a collection of of people, that there are some of us in the room who think that it's over. What is it? You fill in the blank. You think your life is over, your spiritual life, your vitality, whatever it is, you think it's done. And you've come in here today, though your, your clothing is colorful, and though a smile is on your face, you've come in today burdened and weighed down because you feel like the end is either near or here. But we need to remember today on Easter that this is not the end, but this is just the beginning because of what God has done for us in Christ. That's one of the reasons why it's critical for us to be together today and to look at these verses. But the second reason why is because there's a really great opportunity for us today. You know, when, when you're preaching on Easter Sunday as a pastor, it, it's pretty exciting to be able to open up these 
words and to, to preach them to a congregation is, is so exciting for me personally, but also to think about what God might do in our midst on this day. And so when I was excited for this morning and the message that I'm getting ready to share, I couldn't keep it to myself. I had to share it with my wife early. And so I, I walked her through the basic points of the message. And, and when I got done, I made some wisecrack like, see, you don't even need to come to church now on Sunday because you've now already received the message. And my wife, who was far more godly and wise than me, looked at me and, and this is what she said. She said, Mark, I'm not going there just to learn something. I'm going there to worship. Friends, we're, we're going to be looking at a very familiar passage of Scripture today. But let's not just come to it and say, okay, teach me something. Let's gather around this historical reality and let's worship together Jesus who has risen from the grave. We're going to look today at John chapter 20, verses 1 to 18. I want to read those verses for us and then we'll back up and see two things about them together. John chapter 20, beginning in verse 1, says this. It says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and she went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And she said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came and following him and he went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Now, supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. But Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. For I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Friends, this morning we're going to look at these verses and we're going to see two very important things. The first thing that we're going to see is this. Easter looked like the end. Easter looked like the end. Now, when we read the Gospels, the Gospels are these four biographies of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of our New Testament. When we read those four books, we'll notice that the Easter account is at the end of those stories. 
It is at the end of that book. That means it's at the end after the, the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. That means it's at the end. It's after his family fled to Egypt. It's, it's at the end. It is, it is after Jesus established his ministry in Galilee. It's at the end. It's after he walked on water, after he healed the blind and he fed the hungry. It's, it's at the end. It's, it's after he had preached the Sermon on the Mount. It's at the end. It's after he had ridden the donkey into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday like we celebrated last week. It's at the end of the story. If we're not careful, we'll begin to, to look at the events of Easter and just see them as the end. Not just because of its proximity inside of the gospel accounts, but also because of the reactions on that very first Easter morning of the principal players that we see inside of the story. They certainly went into that Easter Sunday, that first Easter Sunday, thinking it was the end. Let's just go through the, the playlist here. First, let's look at Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene came into this first Easter certainly thinking it was the end. Now, now who is Mary Magdalene? It's important for us to, to remember and think about who she is. Luke's gospel tells us two very important facts about Mary Magdalene. Let's us know that Mary was someone who was possessed by a number of demons, and Jesus had cast those demons out. Jesus was the catalyst that had taken her from a social pariah, someone on the outskirts of society, and had restored her to life and to worship and to friends and to family. Jesus was the catalyst that had changed her earthly life. And when Jesus did that for Mary Magdalene, she began to follow him, which is the second thing we see about Mary's life from Luke's gospel. It says that Mary actually gave of her wealth and possessions to fund Jesus' earthly ministry. She was one of his original disciples, following him from place to place as he carried on his itinerant ministry. That's who Mary was. She was someone who had a past with Jesus, someone that had a history with him. But when Easter comes around, Mary thinks that that's all she had with Jesus was a past or a history. She thought it was over. She thought it was the end. We see that a number of different places inside of this. It says in verse 1 that Mary went out to the tomb before sun rose that Easter morning. Why did she go there? The rest of the gospel accounts let us know that she went there with a few other women to care for a dead body. She thought it was the end, and so she gathered up some spices, and she went out with these women to, to basically take care of Jesus' body. It had been taken off of the cross in haste at the end of that Friday and had been placed in the tomb. And the next day was the Sabbath, so there was a rest. And so the first opportunity after that, they were going to go back and take care of his body a little bit more. It was a way for them to honor that his life was over. It was a way for them to honor the, the dead. It was a way for them to honor what they knew had ended. That's what she expected. That's why she was going. And when she shows up and she sees that the stone had rolled away, how did she respond? Did she respond and say, he's risen? No. How did she respond? She responded and said, who has moved the stone? Who has taken away the body of my Lord? She went out there to honor him like we would take flowers to 
a gravesite on Memorial Day. She went out to honor him, and when she sees the stone is moved, she assumes that someone has taken the body of Jesus to desecrate it, and she's distraught. She thought it was the end. She runs back to the house where the disciples were hiding, and she grabs some muscle to go help her in this situation, and and Peter and John go with her back to the site. And when they get back to the site, she again is thinking that this is the end. She's, she's crying, and after John and, and Peter, they leave, she looks inside to see what they saw inside the tomb, and she sees two angels, one sitting where Jesus' head was, one sitting where his feet used to be. And she, she sees these angels sitting there, and she doesn't go, tell me the good news. Instead, she says, can you angels, you angelic beings, can you tell me who has taken the body of my Lord. She thought it was the end. She leaves the tomb. She's she's weeping. Jesus himself appears to her, but she's so distraught and in her grief she can't make out who it is. And She just asks Jesus even, "What, what happened to my Lord? Someone has taken his body. Can you please tell me what happened? She thought it was the end. She knew she had a a history of, She knew she had a past with Jesus, but she felt that it was over. There was no present or future with him. That was the story of Mary on that very first Easter. She thought it was the end. Second person we could look at is John. John's name doesn't appear in this story, but this is inside of John's gospel, and John described himself on a couple of occasions, as the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's what's called authorial uh, license, right? Uh, Empowered by the Spirit of God. But, But John, if you could describe yourself as the one whom Jesus loved instead of your own name, wouldn't you do it too? And that's what John does. We also know that it was John who, who wrote this because when, when John in, writes this story in, in John chapter 20, he includes only two facts about the story from his perspective, and one of them was what? That he beat Peter to the tomb, that he got there first. John conveniently remembered that fact. We took off, and I got there before he did. But what was John thinking on that very first Easter day? You see, John was was thinking a a number of things. But we know from from John's life that John and his brother James, they had a fishing ministry with their father Zebedee up on the Sea of Galilee. And when Jesus called them to follow him, they left that successful business. They left their father and they they followed Jesus. It was often on their minds, especially in the days leading up to Jesus going to the cross, is it, is it going to be worth it to follow you, Jesus? They, they actually had a conversation with Jesus with their mom involved where they, they just asked the question, is it going to be worth it for us to follow you? That was something that they were thinking about. And no doubt as John is hiding behind a door on that first Easter morning, he's thinking, I guess it wasn't worth it because my hopes and dreams and desires for what Jesus would do and be have not materialized. John may have been thinking that that very first day. What about Peter? What was Peter thinking? Well, Peter was also thinking that it was the end, but Peter had a a special 
set of circumstances that would allow him to have a special perspective about what he thought about the end. Peter, even if he believed that Jesus was going to be raised from the dead, probably had a belief that if it wasn't over for Jesus, at least it was over for Peter. Because what had Peter gone through in the last 48 hours or so? He had denied Jesus three times in his, in his time of need in a very public way. Peter thought it was over for him. Even after Jesus appears to the other disciples in, in the later gospel accounts, Peter feels like he's excluded. He goes back to, to fish. He goes back away from the others. Peter thought that it was over for him because of what he had done. We look at the events of this first Easter it, Mary thought it was over. John thought it was over. Peter thought it was over. And even when we look at the person of Jesus himself, early, early before the resurrection, it would have looked like it was over. Jesus had died a very public death at the hands of professional executioners. He would have had a spear stuck in his side to, to ver- verify that he had actually died. It was like the medical examiner of the day verifying death, issuing the death certificate. He was laid inside of a tomb and wrapped in cloths. It looked like the end. So here's the question I have for us. As we gather today, can you relate to any part of that story? Do you feel like it's the end for you today? Mary, remember, had a history and a past with Jesus. She was tempted to think that's all she had. And I think there's a temptation for several of us in this room to feel the same way. We feel like we had a connection to Jesus in the past that was meaningful, but that's all it was. It was in our past It was an excitement when we were in youth group or at vacation Bible school. There was an excitement when we went to camp. There was an excitement when we were part of that campus ministry or when we were on that mission trip. We feel like we have a past with Jesus, but we feel like that's over now. We're at the end or we're near the end. The excitement was back here. We live now in a different reality. And this Easter Sunday, can anybody relate to that? Can anybody relate to John? John, who had left... The fishing business had left his father to follow Christ and was wondering if it was worth it. Anybody here today experienced some consequences as you followed Christ, uh, some conflict that has developed with your family or with your friends, consequences for your business or your career development or, or your neighbors or whatever it might be as you followed Christ? You're here today wondering are we at the end? Was it, is it really worth it to follow Christ given the hardship and the difficulty or the uncertainty that we've had to deal with or even the, the struggle that we're going through currently? Are we wondering if it's worth it? Are we like John? Anybody here today like Peter who might be willing to say, yes, Jesus did die on a cross. He, he did raise from the dead, but I'm not sure what that has to do with me. Jesus may be able to offer forgiveness to others, but I'm not sure he could offer forgiveness to me, especially not for that one thing or those one things. I've done one, two, three more things where I have let God down in a big way and nobody else knows about them but me or me and my family, but I don't want anybody else to know and I'm trying to keep them concealed because I feel as though Those things have disqualified me from the presence of God. I feel like I'm at the end because of my personal failure. Or is anybody here today 
dealing with issues of literally life and death. A terrible diagnosis, chemotherapy ongoing, just laid into the the grave, a loved one or a family member. And today, as you gather on this Easter, you're struggling thinking about the reality of death. It just feels like the end. Friends, Easter, Easter seems like it might be an end. It looked like the end. But here's the great news. It's not. It's not. Though Easter looks like the end, it's not the end. It is the beginning. That's such an important truth. Could could you say that together with me? Easter is not the end. It is the beginning it's the beginning. Now, we see this throughout this, this, this account. And one of the things that I think is really important for us to, to, to point out is how verse 1 begins in chapter 20. It says, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came out to the tomb early. What's interesting is all four gospels describe people coming out to the tomb on that very first Easter as the first day of the week. On the first day, the women came. On the first day, Mary came. On the first day, on the first day, on the first day. But just out of curiosity, does anybody know how Jesus described his resurrection? In the prophecy that he gave before he died, he said, I will be crucified, but on the third day, I will rise again. Now, that's historically accurate and consistent with the first day. But I think it's fascinating that the, the first church described the events of the resurrection not on the third day, but on the first day. Why? Because the event of the resurrection was the beginning of not just a whole new week, but was the beginning of a whole new life. Why is it that we gather on a Sunday to worship? Because it's a beginning. Why is it that our calendar, even our calendar, resets with the coming of Jesus? Because it's the beginning. When we gather on Easter, we remember not an end, but we remember the beginning that is offered to each and every one of us. And we see that played out in the story for each of these folks. Think about it for Mary, again, who was thinking that she had this past or this history with Jesus. But, but what she found out was that there wasn't just a past, there wasn't just a history, but there was a present and a future reality because of her connection to Christ, because of his resurrection. I love what happens. He just whispered her name. He just said, hey, Mary. And when she heard that, it all changed Because she went from someone who was weeping and mourning a loss, someone who only had a past, who only had a history, to someone who realized that there was a very present gift in front of her. And she grabbed onto that present gift and she never wanted to let go. And Jesus lets her know, hey Mary, guess what? You're going to have to let go of me because we've got some stuff that we need to do together. I need you to go and tell the other disciples what has happened. I need you to go tell them that you have seen me because I have a purpose and a plan for your present. And guess what, Mary? We don't need to say goodbye forever because we're going to be together forever in eternity. Mary found out that she did not just have a past or a history, but she had a present and she had a future because of the resurrection. What did John find out as he 
walked in the tomb and he, and he looked and he saw that it was empty. It says that, that he believed in that moment. He may not have understood everything, but he believed that Jesus was raised from the dead. And in that moment, John realized that Jesus was able to deliver on the promises that he had given. He knew that Jesus was, was worth following because he was worthy, because he had been raised from the dead. And not only that, but Jesus, because he was risen from the dead, would be able to make good on his promises in a time frame that ran much longer than just John's little earthly life. John didn't have to see it all in his earthly life for it to make sense because there was a resurrection. John could understand that Jesus could make good on all of these promises in eternity. What about Peter? We don't see it play out in the verses that I read, but if you were to keep reading inside of John's gospel, you would see that Jesus very intentionally, very purposefully goes to Peter and reinstates him in ministry. He says, Peter, it's not over, and you're not over. Because of what I have done for you on the cross, you're not just going to come back as a second-class citizen inside of my work, but you're going to be at the center of it. You are going to preach at Pentecost, Peter. You're going to be the one who will walk into Cornelius' house and take the gospel for the first time. You'll be the one who I will use to help feed my sheep. Peter went from someone who thought it was over to someone who was at the center of what God was doing, not because of how great he was, but because of the grace that God gives. In in Jesus' earthly body laying in the grave and then coming back to life, it's a reminder for us of God's ultimate provision for the problem of sickness and death in our world. Jesus' resurrection is a is a first fruit, the scripture tells us, of what God can do. As Jesus was raised from the dead, so also he can give life to our mortal bodies as well. So we also have the hope of a resurrection, of being with God forever and living in his presence. So that even when we deal with the struggle of a body that is deteriorating, or we deal with the, 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 the pain of, of cancer, or we, we deal with the sting of the death of a loved one, we can have We can have hope as we go through those things because in Christ there is life after death. See, Easter reminds us that it's not the end, but it's the beginning. So here's the question. It's the beginning for us. Do we understand what God has done for us in Christ? And are we willing, like John, to believe and embrace it in faith. I want to walk through an exercise with us that is different than what we sometimes will do here at Wildwood, but I, I just want to have a series of statements connected to what we have looked at this morning. Um, and I'm going to put them up on the screen, and I'll give you a minute to read them, because I'm not asking you to just say them blindly. I want you to think about it. And if, and if what's on the screen is indicative of what's in your heart and what you believe, After we have it on the screen for a moment, I'm going to give us an opportunity to say those things together and to declare these beliefs to God. So let's let's look at this. If this is consistent with what you believe, would you say together with me, I don't just have a past. In Christ, I have a present and a future. It is worth it to follow Jesus because he is worthy. 
Jesus can forgive all my sins, even that one. In Christ, I do not need to fear death. And then this last one, I want you just to think about this for a moment. Jesus called Mary by name, and Jesus knows your name as well. Now, friends, we are, we are so educated and so sophisticated that we just let this kind of bounce off of us. But when I taught this, this lesson, these very same verses, to the kids in VBS last summer, I got to this, this part of the story, and there was one little girl who was sitting there, and she started clapping and celebrating, and she was saying to everybody around her, he knows my name, he knows my name, he knows my name. I'm not asking you to do that outwardly right now, but think about the reality that the God who created all things knows your name. He sent his son to die for you so that you might be forgiven. Friends, on the count of three, I want you just to say your name as a reminder that Jesus knows you. One, two, three. Friends, as we gather on Easter, I'm reminded that 29 years ago on the evening of of Easter that I began to follow Christ. I gave my life to him. It was a beginning for me. And I want to just invite any of you who are here today who have never begun your relationship with Christ, that today might be the day that you could begin to follow him by believing in Jesus' name, what he's done for us on the cross, and the fact that the empty tomb is for us, for you, a beginning in your relationship with him. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to follow Jesus, and thank you for the living hope that we have celebrated here today. Thank you that the empty tomb is a reminder to us that the story of Scripture is not just history, it's not just something in the past, but it has very present implication and reality for us that it can provide for us hope and forgiveness and life because of what you have done for us in Jesus. And I pray, Father, that, that everyone in this room, that everyone who hears my voice, that from the heart they would be embracing and believing the work and the person of Jesus Christ, that they would find forgiveness and hope in him, and that they would see in Jesus a new beginning, a new life that would carry on for all eternity. We thank you so much. We pray that you would help us now to honor you in song. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.